Noon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach. Today, I'm going to be your teen whisperer. Today, we're talking teens. I'll be your coach on the side. See if we can help you connect to those teeny boppers. You know, they're hard sometimes to relate to, to connect to, to understand oh, the crushing life of a teen when your hormones are caving in on you. It's a hard thing. Isn't it, James? You're still going through it. Yeah, my hormones are still just caging in. I mean, do you remember that? I mean, like even a minute ago, we were sitting here trying to find some great music. Yep. And uh, you pulled out a a song, I guess, that you used to dance to (laughs) when you were 11. Well, it's, it's an iconic song. At least for my generation. I mean, Aaron was in here too, and we were both yeah. rocking out. It was incredible, isn't that right, Aaron? Yeah, it was. In- I love the Backstreet Boys. No, okay, there oh, was, wait, was there, no. It was it not the that? Backstreet Boys because oh. that I would understand. Okay. Yeah, and there was more than rocking out. No, I don't think that was rocking. There out. was harmonization. It was bonding. Well, that was yeah. bonding. Bonding. Yes. Yeah. But you know what else is weird? Vocal about- bond. Well, well I, do we do we have it where we could play it? I mean, yeah. I know I want to play it later, too, but I, I think you got to play it now, now that we're onto it, because it, it was more than singing and the harmonizing. It was more than that, even. It was, you guys were striking poses. Yes. <laughs> Did you see that? They were posing. Like, and when you, the, the song, the song is from an old cartoon show, basically, um, called, what were, the, what were they called? Power Rangers. No. Pokemon. Pokemon. Yeah. Pokemon. And, um... Oh! Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, Pokemon. Oh, jeez. Okay. No one ever was. To catch them is my real test. I gotta film this. is my cause. And it's it's almost impossible to listen to this song and not do air drums. You no, no, you know what? Actually, quite possible. Well, <laughs> oh yeah, very no, very I possible. I just sat there, didn't do one air drum. <laughs> well, you don't understand this song then, and you don't know how tough that is for me because I was an air drummer in high school. Yeah, were you a professional air drummer? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the funny thing about it is, uh, right there, I didn't feel anything but just embarrassment for you. No. Did you feel embarrassed for him? Mm-hmm. It's our destiny. You teach me and I teach you. Okay. This was Pokemon. Pokemon, which was this fake little world where you would go to war and my kids collected all of the cards, the Pokemon cards. But this is, this is why we're doing the show today. Because teens, you know, you get into the weirdest thing. And this was preteen, really. This was probably you from 7 to 12. When you started getting some self-awareness and realizing that you can't dance like that and expect to ever get married. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's an unfortunate truth. The, the, just so everybody knows, what brought us to that music was James was tired. He was lethargic, just dozing off in his chair. And he says, I need a pick-me-up. I need something to lift my energy up. 
what could we do? And, you know, we were all thinking, well, maybe you need some caffeine or maybe some sugar. But then we thought maybe just some music. I said, why don't you just put on some really good music? And then he said, oh, like Pokemon? (laughs) Yep, and it worked. It totally worked, which is so strange. No, it's great. I think it worked for one person it in the room. Yeah. Well, okay. I felt it too. Well, yeah, but one person in this room. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Okay. Let's just say one adult. Oh, oh. my goodness. No, when, you're an adult. Yeah. I'm wondering about that now. It's okay, but this is the point. There's teens, a generation gap. We don't understand <laughs> our teens very well because, again, we're not that really? old, Sean. You, I mean, you have I, teens. I, I'm a young guy. I feel young. I have teens. You have teens, but mm-hmm. I never got the pokey thing. In fact, my son. <laughs> When he left, he left on an LDS mission, so he was going to be gone for two years. So I took, we were cleaning out his room. Oh. oh and he ooh. had a bunch of pokey cards. What are you turning his room into? Well, I turned it into my next son's room. <laughs> oh, I thought maybe a gym. I something. wish, yeah. No, no need a to man get a gym. cave. Yes, exactly. No man cave for me. I have an office three minutes from my house. That's my man cave. A pokey cave. Oh, maybe not. Yeah, no. Okay. Um, but in the end, I ended up throwing out a bunch of Pokemon, Pokemon cards. Does he know? He he kept stopping. And me. these two are just flabbergasted. Yeah, yeah you <laughs> threw them away. Well, my mm-hmm. biggest question is, were they holographics, Matt? Uh, yeah. Okay, that I mean, is the were. biggest sin upon sins. That's what everyone <laughs> yeah, says. Wow. Yeah. I can't believe holographic you threw away Pokemon holographic. cards in the trash. I got those on eBay for a like first twenty edition, bucks a piece. Charizard, holographic. Charizard. Oh, oh no. Blastoise. Oh, yeah. Blastoise. Zapdos. Oh, you guys are such geeks. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, we just had a geek fest. Listening. Our whole first block was a geek fest. <laughs> I thought Comic Con was later in the year. Hey, Comic Con is every day with these two. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. No, the, the bigger <laughs> the bigger story here is that you destroy you're destroying your son's life by throwing those away mm-hmm. actually i'm helping him find a life i would hope <laughs> i will this will ensure that he gets alive did you um hey aaron aaron yeah. when you moved in with your wife sure did you um what did you get rid of did you end up bringing <laughs> all you? of your pokemon cards they're actually up on the wall we kind of have them on a cork board <laughs> you're kidding me no okay all right, all right. They're they're honestly my mom busted them out during a family dinner when she was there and she had a good laugh there was some Yu-Gi-Oh cards yeah. digimon cards which yeah. were kind of all the competition at the oh, time sure. yeah and she she laughed she actually believe it or not watched a little bit of pokemon when she was young and this is a female your like, mom not my mom, sorry. My, wife. No. <laughs> but so my you, mom had to as well. She did you take the, the cards room. into your marital oh. home? Well, not at the moment, but uh, I'm wondering okay. if I should. Well, if Is you it, want what my you advice, advice Matt? there's the rub. No. If, if I were you, I'd just grow up. Oh, okay. <laughs> Dang. I mean, I mean that in the best way possible. I'm okay. not trying to be rude, but just grow up, you little baby. <laughs> well, if you okay. want to keep the cards, you need to take them. I just or want else to when you're that not is looking. true. That well, is very true. I want to true. be a good father and be able to connect with my kids, and they can watch Pokemon. I'll tell you right now, Pokemon ain't going to be there oh. when your kids are. No. Your kids are so much more mature than Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding They got me? Transformers now, I guess. Yeah, they do. You guys just don't understand. You don't uh, understand. I totally understand. Well, yeah. Mm. We'll we'll have more about this in the yeah. in, in the Later. last block of the show. We had GI Joes, but you know yeah. we we let them go. That's right. We let them go. Oh, yep. You, you, you let sure it did. go. Oh, was that pretty? Thank good? you, Aaron. Okay. Let it go. There we go. Wow. Late. But that was still late. late. I feel awkward now. Yeah, somebody needs to go check on Aaron because I think he <laughs> just blew a valve <laughs> while he was singing that. Hey, so here's the deal. Before uh, we go any more into Pokemon. 
we have to figure out what our teens are dealing with today, right? Everyone's been a teenager or someday, you know, will be. But some of our problems with teens and what they go through, you know, they're the same things. We're going through them. We went through them. They're going to go through, you know, we're all growing up. It's a process. So our, our own Maddie Richard put together a piece for us about what teens are going through today and how you as parents can recognize this and help them through these problems, you know, the teen problems. I'm sure we've all heard or said the following words. You just don't understand what I'm going through. You don't get it. These words are common, especially from teenagers. As I've moved out of my teenage years into my 20s, I feel like I can somewhat relate to both parents and teens. Maybe not. I'll let you be the judge. What I figured out is that there are huge problems that are generational. Everyone deals with struggling to feel accepted, having a crush, making their family proud, and other things. But there are very different things that different generations struggle with. So I'm here to help you take a look at what teens are really struggling with today. Things that they might not tell you. Peer pressure. Everyone's dealt with it, and today teens deal with it in very harsh ways. There are drugs and alcohol so easily accessible for teens everywhere. I'm from Utah, the most innocent place on the planet, and I could have gotten drugs very easily at my high school. Parents, don't be naive about this. Help your teen and understand that this is a reality. The media. There are several aspects of the media today that affect teens. Number one, cyberbullying. This is very, very real. Teens say things on social media that they wouldn't say otherwise. Know what your kids are saying on social media and what other kids are saying to them. Don't be the bully or the one being bullied. This could help save lives. Another aspect of social media is the exposure teens have to graphic material. Your teens probably know phrases and words that you've never heard of. Get filters on your computer. Pornography is very, very easy for your teen to get. Be smart about having computers in bedrooms, internets on phones. As a teen, I found it annoying that my parents didn't let us have these things. But I realize now my parents just wanted to help me stay away from bad stuff. A third aspect of the media is body image. Teens are bombarded with images of what they're supposed to look like. This leads to high numbers of teens with eating disorders. Help your teen feel valuable the way they are. You as parents have a huge impact on this more than you can realize. Crushes. Having a crush or a boyfriend or girlfriend these days is very different than it was before. Now there are new rules to the old game. Texting, social media, Pinterest to help you express your deep feelings. The important thing to remember about this is no matter how irrational some of these feelings are, they are very real feelings. Teenagers don't see the whole picture. They rush into things and that's normal. Help them evaluate their feelings and figure out how to help them grow from them. Use their social media as cues to what they need and how you can be there for them. Most of the time, teens want someone to bounce ideas off of, and if they think you're a closed book to how they feel, they will not bounce those ideas off you, who can best help them figure out what to do. Loneliness. People have dealt with this for hundreds of years. Today, teens take it at full force. There are literally internet sites that count how many friends you have. The world is competitive on a much larger scale than it ever has been. Teens today battle to have the most friends and in the process end up very alone. Help your teen recognize true friends, quality over quantity, and help them know that you are always there for them and that they're not alone. Having a teen is hard, I'm sure, and being a teen is hard no matter what age. Being a teen is harder now than it was even a few years ago when I was in high school. 
Try and recognize the differences between when you were a teen and how your kid is growing up now, and try to help them by truly understanding what they're going through. Well done, Maddie Richard. Excellent job, folks. It's hard being a teen today, and so we've decided we're going to bring on Dr. Barbara Greenberg. She'll be joining us after this break. When we come back, we're going to be taking on raising teenagers, getting the skills, the tools we need as parents to understand them better and to uh, connect at a different level with our teenagers. This is the Matt Townsend Show, back with the experts in just a minute right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today we are talking about your teenager. How do we reach your teen? Uh, It's so interesting. Here we are, the parents. We're so wise. We're so educated. You know, we're so far ahead of these teenagers. But for some odd reason, they have the power to shut us off and shut us down in a way that no other does. All it takes is one eye roll. Just that eye roll. I see it from James every day on this show. He just shakes his head and he rolls his eyes, and I'm like, you little Pokemon, ooh, I'm going to digi-blast you. You don't even understand. You don't, you don't understand me. See, that's what I hear all the time from my kids. You don't get me. And they talk like that. I don't know why. They talk like an 80-year-old person. But here's the deal. Um, And we're going to be talking about it all the way through the show. We're going to be bringing different perspectives. But one of the first things I would ask, um, and I see this a lot with my clients. I'll have a a parent call me and say, oh, my heavens, my son or my daughter will not do what I want them to do. And I'm so worried they're falling behind. And um, you know what it might be, honestly? It might be you. I'm going to blame you. It might be you as the parent don't know how right to connect in with these kids. So let's talk for a minute about how you earn respect with your children. Um, You know, words are going to, you know, speak louder. I mean, uh, actions are going to speak louder than words, right? So maybe the best way to build respect with our kids is to be respectful, especially in the most difficult times. Uh, Stephen Covey uh, had a quote that I loved is that basically goes like this. How you deal with the most difficult child at the most difficult time is the best example for how you will deal with any other child in their most difficult time, right? So how you choose to go about dealing with the difficult child at the difficult situation and the difficult moment is going to set you up for... Um, and going to teach everyone else in the room, everyone else in the family, how you're going to deal with them when times get tough. If we want to be respected by our kids, then we have to do our best to be respectful, to give them their space, to allow them to have a place to be, to not engage in name calling, to not engage in angry you know, verbal assaults, and to keep our cool. If we don't keep our cool, if we if we continue to be exhausted by our children and then we demand that they talk to us, why would why would they? Why would they eventually want to ever talk to us or why would they ever want to talk to us if they don't feel like we respect them? If every time we don't get what we want, if we pull away, if we you know, you know, just dismiss them, if we name call, things like that. So, one of the best ways I found, you know, with children, with teenagers is be respectful. Even though they may not always deserve it, 
We don't give respect because somebody deserves the respect. We give respect because we believe in being a respectful human being. Okay, rule number one. Rule number two, we grow respect by growing results. It's an interesting little thing I've seen with my own teenagers, how much more power in a way that LeBron James has with my kids than I do. And I don't get it. I mean, I'm ripped. Um, I, I mean, I've ripped my pants. I've ripped stuff before. I'm ripped, I, but I don't necessarily get some of the results my kids are looking for. For example, I'm not a professional athlete, right? I, I have children that will listen to musicians all day long. When Coldplay comes out with a new song and Chris Martin is singing the song, they, my kids know all about that. My teenage son knew more about Chris Martin's marriage and divorce to who was it? Gwyneth Paltrow. Is that who he's married to? No. Is that who he's married to? He's married to a famous. I don't, I don't know these. Cra- You're smart. Chris Martin man. from Coldplay. Chris, okay. Anyway, he just check. he just he got divorced, but they didn't call it a divorce. They were terminating their relationship or whatever. Um, but my son knew all about that. You know, he doesn't know he doesn't know when the garbage day is that we have to take the garbage cans out. But he knows Chris Martin's you know marital status. So if our kids seem to respect some of these results that other people are getting. Um, We tend to, as humans, respect people that get results. So one of the things I guess I would challenge, it was Gwyneth Paltrow. One of the things I guess I would challenge as parents is um, if you want your kids to respect you you, in your life, personally, you have to also be getting some some results as well. You can't, you, you, for example, if you want your children to get in better physical health, then you know what? Quit talking about it and you go get in physical shape with them. If you want them to have engaging hobbies that stretch their minds and make them think, then don't come home and watch TV all night. If you if you want your kids to be more passionate and motivated, then for heaven's sakes, find a passion. Connect to it and get your head wrapped around it and start being connected and passionate about something in life. It's not enough, I've found, to just sit there and talk the talk. At some point, get results. And what I found, when my wife takes the kids out on a walk or a hike, and she's so into hiking, um, my kids will go. And I'm the one that's like, oh, come on. We don't have to hike. We hiked last year. But... She gets results because she doesn't just sit there and tell them to get in shape. She's getting in shape. Make sense? So one of the best ways I found to grow respect from the children, again, is being a respectable person, being a respectful person. And second, grow results. Start becoming the change that you want to see in your kids. And um, make sure that you're planting the, the seed of respect Uh, in the self. So make it so that you yourself have self-respect. Make it so that when you're talking to your children, don't make it just about the things they're accomplishing. Don't make it just about what they're doing and, 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 um, you know, are they are they making the best teams? Are they great at sports? I would make it more about something that they can actually hang their hat on for a longer time. Make it about their, their work ethic. Make it about their sense of um, service to others. Make it about their power with um, with with integrity. Make it about their principles and their values. So as you're as you're focusing on your children, a lot of times as parents, we make it about their grades. We make it about their accomplishments. We make it about you know all of these incredible things that they do. Man, you play the the your instrument so beautifully. Man, you got a four zero. Great job. All of these things, but in the end. Those are all trans, trans, transitory. They're all not going to be around forever, right? But my son's integrity that got him 
to do something will be. My son's service acts, my, uh, my daughter's hard work, her, her tenacity, her stick-to-itiveness, those things are things that, uh, that we might be able to um, convey a lot easier. Also, the other thing I've found that's the easiest way to earn your kids' respect is to be around. Be around and be connected to them. Know a lot about them. Know who they are. Know their heart. Know what's going on inside of them. Uh, know when to push and know when to walk away, right? Know when to understand and when it's time to just hug them and let them go. Know when to let them fail and know when you need to kind of support them to succeed. Respect means you have the ability to see, spect, the re- with reverence the other person. Do you see your children with a reverence or do you, do you see them with a sense of awe, that they're amazing, that they're, that they're a gift from God? Do you see that in them or do you see them as just a messed up, awkward, acne-laden child? Because um, however you see them is going to determine the power you're going to have with these people. We're going to take a break, folks. Today we're talking about teens and getting not power over them, but power with them. How do you increase your influence? How do you increase your understanding with your teenager? This is the Matt Townsend Show. More when we come back. Talking teens today right here on BYU Radio. Friends to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today we're talking teens. How do you reach the heart and the mind of a teenager? Really, aren't they just grown up? I mean, aren't they? Aren't we just grown up teens? Really? I mean, is that? I feel like a teenager myself. Uh, even though you can have a job, a career, you can have a life, you can have your own car for heaven's sakes. But still, the insecurities that a lot of teenagers had, a lot of us still carry today. So how do you reach these kids? How do you get into their heart? How do you get into the, their minds? How do you understand somebody, especially, you know, multi, what do we call this, intergenerational? So here I sit. I When I was a kid, I could just not watch TV all day. I still would. But I would watch mm-hmm. really good shows like Gilligan's Island, Chips. I Love Lucy. Leave It I to love Beaver. Lucy. Leave It to Beaver. All the Leave good it shows. Leave It to Beaver wasn't on when I was. It wasn't? No. Where were you? No, but I don't know. wasn't it, just, it still on in replays? In, in, in some areas, but not where I lived. The 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 mouse the Mouseketeer. Oh yeah, the Mickey, Mickey Mouse, Mouse Club. Club. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I grew up on that, right? And so, but then all of a sudden, our kids today are they're the on Brady the Brady Bunch. They're on these crazy technological devices. So, we want to hear from you. One eight five five chat BYU. One eight five five chat BYU. I want to hear what do you feel is the key as a parent. As a child that grew up, we were all teenagers at one point. What did you see in your life made the biggest difference as a teenager? You know, we're foreign bodies. We felt like we were like we felt like we were in these weird bodies that didn't feel right. And everything was awkward and pimples were poking out and hormones were flaring and hot flashes. All those things you kids went through. Well, and then there's also times you felt like, oh, well, I can make that decision. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You're and, then, to spread and, then, your wings. and then you make a decision, and your parents say uh, no. Yeah, 
No, no, no yeah. you're gonna no. Okay, if you're gonna make a decision, you got to make the right decision. Yeah, exactly. So we want to hear from you. One eight five five chat BYU. One eight five five two four two eight two nine eight. Or you can tweet us at BYU Radio. We want to hear your ideas on this. If you get on the air, we'll give you a copy. We'll give you a book for heaven's sake. <gasps> a book to get on the air, and we want to hear your ideas. What What is universal? What is, What does every teenager need to know and feel? What did you learn as a teenager that made all the difference for you? And who, you know, give us stories about who impacted your life and why it made such a difference. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. We are taking your calls. We'd love to hear from you. Now, while we're waiting and and getting some of these callers on the phone, Mm 1-855-CHAT-BYU, I want to hear from the gang. Who stands out for you as uh, somebody growing up that made all of the difference in your life? Anybody have one? We got callers coming on already. One eight five five chat BYU. Again, keep calling. Who uh, James? Who for you? Who stands out as somebody that you thought that person? They they handled it perfect. They handled me right. This worked. This is what I needed. Well, I would say my high school uh, choir teacher. Uh, he was a huge influence in my life. Yeah, he, he was incredible. I was in a men's choir in my in my high school, and. His emphasis on not only teaching us how to sing well, but teaching us how to be men, you know, to, yeah. how to be um, charitable, good uh, men was, was hugely influential in my life. Like he, he – because uh, we also had uh, another kind of our – what would you call it? You know, there was a girl choir that was kind of our counterpart. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, so we would go out and do gigs with them. And so he yeah. – you know, when I know. We, I've seen Pitch Perfect. <laughs> it's a great scene. Exactly. We'd, we were doing all these battles with Duels. one another. They're doing a second one. Yeah, of course they are. Yeah, and just he whenever we interacted with them, he he told us all these things we had to do to be, yeah. you know, to be chivalrous and everything. And I think that that was a huge influence in That's teaching huge. me on what I needed to be uh to be a, a good man. Did he know did your teacher what's his name? Kelly Dehan. Kelly Dehan. Did Kelly have any idea that you were singing Pokémon songs? <laughs> Because I probably. bet if he had known that, he probably would have been disappointed. <coughs> yeah, um, yeah, we we uh, we probably sang a Pokemon song to him. We like to annoy him a lot. It was a love hate yeah. relationship, well, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so what he, what what Kelly Dehan did for you is he just taught you he taught you to be chivalrous. He taught you to you know you got to take care of the ladies. You got to make sure you treat them right. And and he basically told you stay away from those Pokemons. Yeah, pretty much. He's like, throw away those cards now. That's a great lesson. Yeah, it's a lesson that uh, people are trying to teach me over and over again throughout my life. I mean, I, again, if you just remember, I just you just had a text from a lovely lady. And oh. you remember? He did, right, while we were waiting. Mm-hmm. But he, he was in the middle of the show, and he, you could see disappointment in his face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what did I tell you? Do you remember what I told you? Um, no. Be chivalrous. <laughs> No, How I didn't. Know there's that. one way to do it. I, I guess. actually didn't say that. Be chivalrous. Sorry, just answer it. Get it. Go, go, go. Um, that's really good. How about you, Sean? Do you have a a high school example of somebody when you were a teenager that went above and beyond? Um, that taught you that somehow connected to your value. Actually, yeah, my scoutmaster. Hmm. He was, um, and for some reason, his name is escaping my my head right now. I cannot remember why i bet you it was uh, but no he was a, a fantastic man he was a postman he worked at the post office 
and he would schedule our campouts because he had a he had a strange schedule. He would he would be off on Saturdays like every fifth week mm. because yeah, he'd, be, he'd be off on Monday one week, Tuesday yeah. the next week, rotation. And so to rotate. Every time he was off on a Saturday, we went on a campout. Really? Every time. That's a campout about every five weeks. Then? Yes, six weeks. Mm-hmm. What kind of guy would awesome. do that? But this wonderful scoutmaster who. Yeah, I remember. You, you've and, talked about him before. He's he was a great guy. Was he older? And, and, was he? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. He was, but he was like in his fifties. He, he had a son the same age as I was. Yeah. And it was just it was it was fantastic. I also had an electronics shop teacher uh, by the name of Mister Lillo, and uh, he he taught us. He tried to teach not just electronics, life, but he taught us. You know, hey, if you want a good grade, you got to do this. Yeah. If you want a good grade in college, you got to do this. Yeah, so more principles. Exactly. So he didn't just like, hey, if, if you, it wasn't just about conductivity. He didn't want to just get you electrocuted. Mm-hmm. See, so check this out. We've got, uh, you know, Kelly DeHaan, high school teacher, scoutmaster, uh, your scoutmaster, the postal worker. We don't remember his name yet. <laughs> I know. You'll figure it out. And Mr. Lilo. 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 Like Lilo. L I L L O. L I L L O. Perfect. Very simple lessons. None of these have to be huge. None of these have to be out of this world. We're going to go to our callers now. Eugene uh, Brooke from Eugene, Oregon, is going to talk to us about how she was raised. Brooke, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Oh, sorry. What was that? How are you? Welcome to the show. Hi. How are you? Good. So talk about now how you're not a teen anymore, right? No, I'm not. I am a pretty young parent, and I I don't have teenagers either. But By the way, do you want some? Yes. Because we're, well, we're raffling I, I, a few off. Okay, yes, right? Yeah. I was listening. I, I have XM, and so it's funny that you say that because I heard a guy on Comedy XM, he said, I have two wonderful kids and and another one. <laughs> that's right. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I have two but, wonderful kids and then another one. Oh, that's yeah. Funny. So talk about, talk about have, you. You have four I kids? I have four children, but no, no teenagers yet, okay. um, obviously, because I'm... I'm uh, pretty You're young. pretty young, but you know I I can't say from any experience besides my own and what I've so far instilled in my children, and then you know I have a lot of friends to not to a hundred percent not to toot my own horn or anything like that, but they're just like wow, Brooke, you know. You're doing really great with your children, you know, and they really admire me. And I have a lot of people asking me like how how do you have the patience or how do you yeah. even you know how are you breathing right now you have four kids five and under like what what are you doing yeah you know but um so yeah i just you know as a teenager i went through an an adoption um well i was eight when i was adopted but then you know that's right before you start really hitting into those years where you're heading into puberty and like you were saying all these hormonal changes and all yeah these types of things you know i was a stubborn stubborn child (laughs) and i just resented just like we all did at some point, any type of authority. Sure. You know, did, and I, it went through. It what went were your through, parents like with you as you're going through this? My biological parents yeah. or the adoptive parents? Yeah, so did you have my both? Biolo- yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, my biological parents were absent pretty much my whole life. Okay. And that was, you know, unfortunate, but I was um, passed around some family members and then, um, I was able to, uh, you know, be adopted by my mother's cousin mm. and and his, and her wife, her husband. So, um, they, my mom was very absent. My biological mom was very absent. When the adoption occurred, 
I don't think necessarily that my adoptive parents were knowing what they were doing by adopting a child. They, yeah. She had had children from a previous marriage, and he didn't have any children. He want, wanted his own child, and I think that's where the adoption had started was, you know, wanting um, his child. Ooh, are you there, Brooke? Brooke, we lost you. We'll put you on hold um, and try to get you back and see. Uh, but call back, Brooke. You know, uh, it's isn't it interesting too? I mean, add add the complexity of life. As if life isn't hard enough, think just about how your family situation, your family of origin, you know, being adopted, how that might impact you as you're going through these changes, or having parents that don't quite understand you or just even some of us that are new to this whole idea and raising kids or even if our temperaments are different and I'm not more patient just kind of naturally or if you're raised by somebody that's not as patient it's life is hard folks and so as we're talking about teens on the show today we want to hear from you what made a difference in your life growing up and we'll we'll try to get uh Brooke back on the phone what what's made a big deal for you what made the difference for you What works with teenagers? What worked with you growing up? Give us a call, 1-855-CHAT-BYU, 1-855-242-8298, 1-855-CHAT-BYU, and we're going to get you on the line and uh, give you a book. Anybody that calls in and shares their, their ideas for healthy, happier teenage relationships, we're taking a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show, back, more talking teens, right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are taking on teens, doing what we can to become better parents, better um, friends. Not friends to our children, but more just like better examples, better role models. So we're talking teens today. We'd love to hear from you. one chat byu That's the number. You call in. We'd love to hear who made a difference in your life. What adult maybe stepped up? And what lesson did they teach you? We want to hear the principles that um, your parents, some leaders, have made a difference and how they've made a difference in your life. So far, we've talked about a high school musical teacher, a scoutmaster, uh, an electronics prof- or teacher, Mr. Lillo. Huge. Again, one eight five five chat byu We totally want to hear from you. Uh, again, the number, one eight five five two four two eight two nine eight. Anybody that gets on the phone, we will um, we'll give you a copy of a book. We have a million books here just sitting here waiting for you to learn from. We got, you know what, we're having trouble with Brooke. She keeps calling in, and we lose her again. We had her earlier, and she never got to finish her story. While we're trying to get her on a secure line that will actually not die on us, here's, a, here's an example of somebody that made a big difference in my life. So my parents divorced when I was uh, six years old, separated when I was six, divorced when I was eight. You know, it was sad. I didn't, it was sad because, you know, you want your mom and dad in the same house, and you want happily ever after. And we, I wanted him to keep driving around in that green, um, what's it called? Station wagon that we had and going on road trips where I could sit and watch people out the back window. The reality is that's not always how life works. So when my dad wasn't living at my house, I'd get to see him regularly and I actually eventually worked for him. So I got to see him every day. Um, but I had a lot of men in my life that were my, like the dads of my friends and they all kind of gathered around me and they became, 
my support group, which is one of the reasons why I really feel strongly in the value of churches and church groups, because being connected to a church, really, I think, of any faith— puts a secure or a more maybe a more secure group of people around you that can help, you know, in between, you know, when things might normally fall, like in a divorce, and we could have more support. So I had a guy that basically became a surrogate father for me. His name is Bart Summerhays, and he literally, he was a single guy, uh, was probably, I think, 30 years old, and he was one of my leaders in my church group at that age. But he became a really good friend of mine, and I, I remember vividly we would go to his backyard, and in, he, he was a golf fanatic. He had a, you know, he was just a fanatic, loved golfing. And in their backyard, they had a putting green with real putting grass. It was a real putting green. And um, we'd be sitting there putting around, and I remember him looking at me and saying, you know, you're going to college. And I said, Kind of like that. (laughs) Because I didn't know that I was really college material because I didn't get great grades in high school. Uh, They weren't bad, quite honestly, but they weren't great. So, but I didn't know I could do that. And he looks at me and he's like, Townsend, for real, you're going to college. And it was the first time in my life that somebody basically, you know, entrusted, he he got into my heart and he basically said, you can do this. And right then I thought, wow, I guess I can do this. And But I had all these excuses. Well, we don't have enough money. My parents hadn't gone to college. My sister had, but, you know, I don't know. But he goes, Townsend, we will do everything we can. You're going to college. And honestly, so now, two master's degrees later and a doctorate, I, I still can't stop going to college. Now he needs to call me and say, Matt, you need to stop going to college. But um, it's powerful. One guy. You still paying off the loans? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, where's he for that? <laughs> he just stepped right out of my life. He got me to go to college. But he didn't pay off my loans. So when you think about it, it could be something as simple as that. One person that just says to you, you can do this. I want to hear from you. one chat byu Who in your life stepped up and portrayed to you that you have power, that you are a, you have the power as a, you know, as a teenager or a young adult, that you can make a major change? in life. Um, friends have that power to do that to us. I think our leaders do a lot. I think our spiritual advisors in life do as well. I remember, inst- I mean, vividly going, I won a putting tournament with this Bart, this friend of ours. We were in his backyard and my best friend and our wi- our girlfriends at the time were all over there putting together. And Bart said, look, I'll, I'll bet you dinner. If you, if you can make this putt, it was probably a 20-foot putt you make this dinner, I'll, you make this putt, I'll take you guys to dinner. And I'm like, okay, I, I can make the putt. Well, I closed my eyes, made the putt. Bing! We went to dinner at a really great restaurant here in uh, Utah, Mandarin restaurant, a Chinese restaurant up in, uh, where is it, Davis? I don't know what we call it up there, North Salt Lake. And he, um, this is the coolest thing ever. I'm sitting there with my girlfriend, who, by the way, is now my wife, and my best friend, who, by the way, his girlfriend is now his wife. And guess who's across the room? This is another major impact in my life. Steve Young. No. Oh. Orrin Hatch. Senator, U.S. Senator, Orrin Hatch, across the room. I'm probably 17. 
And I'm staring at him like, that's Orrin Hatch. I didn't know who he was. I think that's an important person I knew, but I didn't know, I don't know that I knew exactly who he was. And he looked at me and across this is we're all in this waiting room, standing, waiting to be seated. And Orrin Hatch smiles at me and I smile at him. And he walks over and I'm like, oh, geez, what did I do? What did I do? A senator wants to talk to me. I know. Here comes the senator. And Bart's like, that's a U.S. senator. Ah! And he walks up and he's like, well, how are you? And I shook his hand and I go, how are you, senator? <laughs> Thanks to Bart. And he, um, he said, what's your name? I said, Matt Townsend. He says, I'm Senator Hatch. And he talked to me for about 10 minutes. I'm not, I can't vote for the dude. But I thought, what a stud. A year later, you could. Yeah. How cool is that? So just some public figure out of nowhere saw the opportunity, made a difference to a teenager. I would vote for Hatch. I think I have voted for Hatch. Hmm. Boom. I remember when I was growing up as a teenager, uh, leaders taking us to – they took us to to their jobs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I still remember going to and, – and one of the leaders used to work for Atari. Oh, cool. It was in Silicon – I, was, I oh, grew up in Silicon man. Valley. That's good living. So, you know, he grew up – I grew up there and he, and he took us He took us to the Atari game room and we had all sorts of stuff. I mean, you know, we had all the video games there. It was, it was an arcade. Yeah. Atari. Dude. And we didn't have to – you know, didn't have to pump the quarters in yeah. because we were at Atari. You could just play. We were playing Missile Command and Centipede. Uh, do you remember those games? Oh, yes. But at that, I remember – it clicked in my mind, wait a minute, you mean you can actually have fun at work? Isn't that weird? Yeah. See, and that stuck with you. It did. And now look at you. Nothing but fun. I know. I have fun. I what have fun all the time. the last day that work. you even felt like this was work? Mm, yesterday. No. <laughs> Is it that bad? Well, it depends on the show. Yeah. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Today's going to feel like work, too. Um, see, that's what's cool about it is, and he didn't know he was impacting you that way. But I know. But well, I don't know. Maybe he did. I mean, who, I don't know. But, you're but just, I know, he's I remember, just doing his thing. He's just taking you guys to see his place. I know. I know. I remember going to work with my dad. Yeah. At, uh, well, my dad was in the Navy for a while, so that was that was what? actually kind of cool. Yeah. Going on ship, yeah. actually. That was when I was younger, though, not when I was a teen. But you would get a taste for yeah. the Navy life. But I think that's important to share with your kids what you do. Oh, yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. And, and I, I also like to share what I think they would be good at. Yes. So when I see their talents, I'm like, you know what? You, I think, could really be good at this. That was the whole reason for us going on vacation. Was that your, last... your daughter? Where did yes. you take your daughter? Uh, my 13-year-old, we took her to the Frank Lloyd Wright studio and home. Yeah. She actually got to work in Frank Lloyd Wright's studio. And she's into that. Yeah. She's into architecture like no was tomorrow. Was she in heaven? Oh, majorly. We still haven't watched. We we bought a Ken Burns documentary on Frank Lloyd Wright while yeah. we were there, and she's still every night asking, "Can we watch it? Can we watch it? What about that?" Because we haven't watched it yet. <laughs> but how? But again, look at that. That is someday she's going to say, "Dad, thanks." Yeah, and she'll probably build you a house. You know, uh, that's what we're hoping for. Actually, I doubt it. She'll build you a motorhome <laughs> as long as I have this, the guest room. That's fine with me. <laughs> but that's all it takes, really, is get into me and get into me my way. I mean, you yeah. guys took a big trip. Basically, the whole trip was built around, really, her, her. day camp. Yeah, You had to figure out how to get her to Chicago. Mm-hmm. So on the way, let's drop mom off. Let's go to a, a, the Wrigley Field and go to a Cubbies exactly. game. Exactly. We were in Chicago, so we had to go to Wrigley yeah. Field. And you were there, and, and you, know, then, you didn't get shot, which no. is a big thing happening in Chicago. I know. Now we're wondering, well, we're, we're going back next year. Are you to the same place? Yep. 
So now there's a, there's another level of yeah yeah. Again, and, and you, that's a big deal too because you're not. This isn't like you have one child. You have four children. I do. So, I, only two of them are teenagers right yeah. now, but still slow and steady. Yeah. Um, my oldest, she's very much into theater. So you're going to end up being at theater performance practices for the yep. rest of your life. She does. Uh, she she likes performing Shakespeare. Actually, yeah. She goes to the Shakespeare uh, competition. There's a state high school competition every year in Cedar City for uh, for um, their yeah. high school performances. They have teams that that perform. Some you have a big team that performs a really big scene from a, a high a oh, Shakespeare play, a, a drama competition. Exactly. Yeah. And she actually won third place last Dueling year. Dueling dramas. Mm-hmm. And she had to speak French the whole time. Oh, we. Oui. Que quite quite interesting. Qu'est-ce que c'est? What is this? No, she said the fangers. She was teaching. It, oh. it was it was a, a scene where uh, an, another girl teaches a, a noble woman how to speak English. Oh, really? Yeah. So they're doing they're doing English words with French accents. She's teaching her the parts of the hand and and the face. See, I'm telling you, it doesn't take much. And just as we talk about it, every one of you out there in listener land, you've been thinking of somebody that's impacted your life. So one of the things I would challenge you to do is go back to your teen years and figure out what used to work for you. And if you have a teenager, maybe let's pay it forward. Let's move that great historic moment where somebody believed in you, you know, you know, exerted some energy for you, where they went out of their way to meet you and make you feel better about yourself. And let's see if we can't bring some of those into our day-to-day lives with our teenagers. Folks, we're talking uh, about teens today, how to reach your kids and how to, you know, connect with your children at a different level. We're taking a break. When we come back, we're going to get into some of the brain development in the teen years. Aaron's going to be talking about that. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Remember, our goal on this program is to help you find a leg up in this crazy thing called life. We didn't come with a manual, right? We didn't have this this tool book, this guidebook that would walk us through every step of our lives. So we have to figure it out. And on this show, we like to bring you some some real life solutions, some tools. To help you today, we're talking about your teens and how to reach your teenagers. We've gone through, there's a lot of great examples in our lives. You know, everybody has had probably one human being that uh, related to them, that connected to them, that elevated their sense of being, their sense of value, their sense of worth. And so on the program today, that's our goal is to see if we can't bring you a little bit closer, maybe to your own teens. So who better to help us? Who better to help us than Dr. Barbara Greenberg, who's joining us on the phone. Dr. Barbara Greenberg, she's a Ph.D. and is a teen, adolescent, child, and family psychologist. She's licensed in Connecticut and New York, 
And after 21 years of running an inpatient adolescent unit at a private psychiatric hospital in New York, she moved on to private practice consulting work, writing, and working in the media. She currently has a private practice in Fairfield County, Connecticut. She frequently consults partners, with, you know, does a lot of work with the news networks. She's been on every station you can imagine. Uh, basically to help the producers learn, get skills and tools, as well as interviewing her about how to help adolescents, child, children, and families. She's passionate about her work as a psychologist, loves to work with teens and their parents. She's also the co-author of Teenage as a Second Language, A Parent's Guide to Becoming Bilingual, and the co-author of several how-to e-books about raising teens. You can get those books at her website, which is drbarbaragreenberg.com. drbarbaragreenberg.com. Dr. uh, Greenberg, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you for having me. You're right. I'm very passionate about this topic. Well, we need it. For years. That's so great. We really do need it because, you know, it's hard. Teens sometimes, they get a bad rap, but we've all been there, right? We were the teen that the right. people used to laugh at, and now we have our own. What, what, where do we need to start? As we, as we start thinking about, you know, being the parent of a teenager, what do you think is the most important thing that we need to know as a parent? I, I think the most important thing to know about being a parent is that our teens are going through a real struggle, and that there is a way, though, to and there are some really clear and surefire ways to get through to them and have them open up. Oh, that's what we need. And if we can dis- discover, and I will help with yes. those, because I've worked with teens for, for three decades now, things will be a lot easier for both parents and also for the teenagers. Yeah, so it does, it's, so it's not, not hopeless. It's a struggle for the parents, it's right. a struggle for the teens as well. I, I think that's a great way to look at it, because um, in the end, it seems like they're speaking a different language, but it's also, it's not like we can't learn this language. And right. we probably don't need to know everything. We need to know a few things. Um, and what I like also is that there's hope. That's right. I mean, it, it, that you've seen, I'm sure, in your practice, pretty much everything you could see. I have. I really have. And and yet, you still sit here with hope. I here with hope always. I see they see these kids when they're 13 and they come back to say hello to me when they're 23 and they're totally different people and the relationships with their parents are totally different. So absolutely yeah. there's hope. There's a, it seems like there's a, an interesting convergence that takes place with teens and I always see it around, especially, I don't know what it is, when somebody comes to me and they're like, Hey, Dr. Matt, uh, I'm having this really hard time with my teenage daughter, da, 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 and they give me all this stuff. I can pretty much always ask, is she 14? There's, There's something, something about, about like 13, 14. 14. Yeah. yeah I, you know, I really agree with that. There's something about the age 14 that's really difficult, not only for the for the parents, but for the kids. Oh, it's yeah. a really rough time. I would say that 14 is probably the most difficult year. Because cause kids are really trying, they have just realized that they're not little kids anymore, that they're teenagers, and they become panicked because yeah. they become aware of it. I, re- I remember missing, oh, man, why can't I play anymore? I want to play. I want to go play with my yeah. toys that I played with as a kid. I remember literally like longing as an adult, uh, not a, as a youth, as a teen, mm-hmm. to go back and be able to play 
I have guys that work here that they all wish they could go back and play with their Pokemon. You know, it's such a good point because I, it, it's so true. They still, it, it's such an in-between age that they're not ready to be adults. And, and, they're not re- and they're not ready to be teens, and they still would like to be kids. I have so many stories of kids who'd like to go back and play with their Legos or play with their dolls and feel like they have to hide that yeah. because they're 13 or 14 now. Add, you know, adding teen to, the, to their age is such a, a big step. It, it seems like it adds a social pressure because then you, you may still want to go play with your cars your matchbox cars but then you get the social presence of your friends saying what you're doing what and so it's all of a sudden it's like it's it's what everyone else is expecting now starts to matter to you that's right including and especially and this is one of the big secrets that we'll get to later especially what your parents what you think your parents might be expecting of you mm. isn't and that's pressure kids think that their parents don't want them to be little kids anymore either yeah that's true, huh? They want, and, and yet, too, we, as the teenagers are changing, changing, going through this, it's not like the parents, all, they're also having to change. You're, you have to parent differently. That's right. And it's, it's almost like we're expecting them to grow up, but the parents aren't necessarily seeing the need to change. That's right. It, it, parent, parent, you can't, can, a lot of things are changing. You don't schedule your kids' play dates anymore for the most part. Um, you don't have the same control that you had when they were little kids. They start to make many more decisions on their own as they start to get into the teen years. So parenting absolutely has to change. You know, um, what other change? I mean, those are big changes. Just I didn't even think about the play day thing. Well, they, 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 they feel like they have to give up play and be much more serious. Their bodies are changing, which yeah. is no small thing. Well, and some parents can't let go of some of this, right? I mean, it's like you still want to treat me like I'm a kid, like I'm a baby, but, you know, I'm turning into a man. you got to leave me alone, Mom. Right. And think about it. When parents get upset with their kids, think about what they say. You're acting like a child. Well, so yeah, they, they are children. Yeah. It, it's And, again, there's no handbook. One of the reasons we do this show is because there really isn't a handbook. I mean, you, you, everybody's so different, and you're not born with a specific book on your child. So I kind of feel like people need to hear enough, learn enough, grow enough to be able to make their own book. That's right. The children come out differently. They're born with different temperaments. You know, we have kids, we have kids who are shy. We have kids who are more extroverted. But there are a few thing, organizing principles or a few things that guidelines that can help us with teenagers of all temperaments. Oh, that's what we need, huh? Um, in fact, let's get into, so what are some of the tips that, that you know, help the parent? What are some things that, you know, might be a simple guide to a parent right now? Uh, next block, we'll get into the secrets that the teens have that, boy, if we knew as parents, it would make a big difference. But what are some of the things that we as parents should, you know, be basically focused on? We need to focus on making sure that our kids have balance in their lives, that they not only have a place to, that they're not only doing well in school, that they're not only, uh, that that they're also getting some outside time and some friendship time. Hmm. And, And 
also, especially now in the age of social media, that they're not spending all of their time on their computer either. We really have to look for balance in our kids' lives because the kids who become resilient and the kids who thrive are the ones who have multiple, multiple avenues where they can flourish and get pleasure. Oh, it's so true. Uh, I had a client in, um, and she's so worried because her son, all he wants to do is spend this time, his time on the on the computer, and That's a problem. Um, it's a huge problem. And she doesn't she doesn't know what to do. What do you do, Barbara, as a as a parent to get your kid off the computer, especially if they really like love it, like if they're if they love it, and if you know, if they're introverted anyway, the idea of going out and playing with a bunch of friends may not be what they want to do. They want to just That's keep right. digging deeper into and whatever they're doing. It's very funny. I just came back from a doing a workshop out west, talking ju- to parents just about this very topic they ask about it. So it's so timely. Yeah. Well, you really must not only should but must limit the amount of social media time that kids have. Is that, is that true with video games as well? Absolutely. You must limit it, is what you you're saying. limit it. And if you, if you need to establish some sort of rule of thumb, I always like to say, and parents can look at their own individual households and children and what time of year it is, but I would think about one hour a day of, of screen time. Yeah. There's a lot of screens that our kids look at. Because they're living, it's, that's the virtual world. They're not looking people in the eye. Yep. They have a lot of friends, in quotes, that they haven't met that they're talking to. And we really can't monitor everything that's happening there. No. Not that we should be monitoring everything, but we should be monitoring a lot. Yeah. And it's, not, it's really not a great place for children to make their mistakes and learn from them. I mean, it's important for kids to make mistakes. Yeah. But social media and the virtual world is not the place to do that. Yeah, we need to let them make it in the, you know, backyard. That's right. <laughs> Go break a window. Much less risky place. It's so true. In fact, we did. We just had a media professor that came on, and she basically said the same thing. They should There should be a limit. Normally, I think, I think she was saying it was like nine hours of media time there and screen time they're getting a day on average. And she right. thought at the very most you should give them two. So one to two is mm-hmm. – it's a big deal, which, by the way, is about a quarter of what they want. So, yeah, That's this right. could be turning the – this could be, you know, pushing back the well, entire ocean. It, it's so addicting. But I think it's so important for, for kids to get outside and get some exercise and for kids how to learn to deal with free time without being on a computer. It's important for kids yeah. to learn what to do to, – important for them to learn how to be bored, how to maybe read a book, how to draw a picture, how to do something other than to be entertained. I totally agree. It's uh, learning learning some other coping skills. We're talking with Dr. Barbara Greenberg, uh, who is a teen, adolescent, child, and family psychologist. Go. Uh, we'll be back. More talk about adolescents and teens. She's going to give us some secrets that the teens won't tell you. So parents out there, these are the things that the kids aren't ever going to tell you, but man, she's going to unleash some pretty interesting, uh, some myths she's going to blow up. Hey, also, another thing to do, go check out her website, drbarbaragreenberg.com. On that site, she has some very, very affordable ebooks that you can do that will talk about these myths and uh, some of the things that we need to know about uh, how to get our teens to talk. We're talking teens today, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. More when we come back right here on BYU Radio. 
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are joined by Dr. Barbara Greenberg. Today we're talking teens and how to help raise healthier teenagers by understanding them better. Dr. Greenberg is a teen, adolescent, child, and family psychologist. She's licensed in Connecticut and New York. She spent many, many years uh, working in an inpatient adolescent unit at a private psychiatric hospital. So imagine, she's seen it all. But now what she does is she goes out and she consults with uh, news networks, television stations, producers to be on shows like this one so that she can teach us, educate us, and inform us as parents how to reach our teens in um, in a better way. Go to her website, drdrbarbaragreenberg.com, drbarbaragreenberg.com. Wonderful site. And on the site, you can get some of her eBooks. Just a great set of tools we all need, really, to uh, to be able to to parent these kids. Sometimes we don't understand. Doctor Greenberg, welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Hi. Hey, talk about this. The secrets. So you're telling us that there are some secrets that teens won't tell their parents. Absolutely. And these are the secrets. So parents out there should listen very carefully because I'm going to tell you now and you not go. tell them again in the future. Yeah. Okay, the first secret is that, te- that teens really do want to talk to you. It's just that they want to do it in their own way and they want to control the rate and pace at which they give you information. Ah. And I will get to that later. So they really but do want to talk to you. They really do want to talk. And that's based not only on my clinical experience, but also on the research. Yeah. That's, that's comforting. Mm-hmm. But I guess what happens is we don't do it on their time. We don't do it on their pace. That's right. And we just kind of badger exactly or, whatever, right. or whatever we use. Yeah, whatever technique we use. That's great. So teens do want to talk. It's just their time, their way, their, their tenor. Great. That's a great but secret. It, but you really put it perfectly. Their, their rate, their time, their pace. The second myth is that they really do care very deeply what parents think about them. Mm. Now, it doesn't appear that way because they don't act that way necessarily, but they care very deeply, and the last thing that they want to do is disappoint you. Huh. Which is maybe why they're not ready to share certain things. That's right. Because they're afraid you'll dis- it'll disappoint you or you'll react to what they're saying and... Ugh. They don't want to disappoint. And, and what what teenagers tell me is that they're much they would much rather have their parents be angry at them than dis, than disappointed in them. That disappointing their parents is the most painful thing of all. Really? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yes, especially given the way they act. Yeah. Yes and no answers and you know, with, with a little bit of defiance, but they really do care very much about their parents approving of who they are at this point in their life, even though they're not sure who they really are yet. Right. Well, and again, you, you're, you're there, you know, you've been there the longest. You've stood there the most. You've invested the most. Right. So, yeah, no wonder they don't want to disappoint us. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So teens really do want to talk, and talk. they really do deeply care about what the parents think. And wait until you hear the third. What is it? The third is that they really do want you around, and they act, and it seems, 
so contradictory given the way they act. They act like, you know, they don't want to be seen yeah, with you. Get they out don't of here. Right. You around when their friends are around. But in fact, they do want you around. They don't necessarily want you following them to their room, mm-hmm. or they don't necessarily want you joining them when they're with their friends and, and telling stories about your own teenage years, but they do want to know that you're around in some way. Wow. That, to me, was the biggest surprise of all. Yeah, because it seems like they're always trying to escape us. Right. We had this big Fourth of July thing planned. We were going to take all these kids to this concert, watch the fireworks. I was so excited. We were going to dinner, and one by one, they start peeling off to go be with their friends. And then it's just in the end, it was my wife and I. Mm-hmm. Wah, 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 wah. Right. Just husband and wife. But they but, came. But they came, they came home, right? You no, know, they always come home. Yeah, and I, I always thought it was because they needed to eat. <laughs> no, they but want no. to be with you too, but they're not going to. It would be so very unteenage and so uncool to tell you that they want to be around you, right? Yeah, totally. Isn't that fascinating? They really do want to talk. They do deeply care, and they really want you around. Which, which having that knowledge means that maybe you could relax, parents, because they're there. They want it. It's just relax. And, and I, I know there's probably a lot of parents out there now who are listening to us talking who are thinking, oh, no, no, that may be true of other people's yeah, that's not children, but that's not true of my kids. I have to tell you that this is true of most teenagers. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, I stand firmly behind all of yeah. those. Well, it's interesting because we, we, I guess what happens is we're hurt. We're hurt that they're growing up, they're pulling away. So maybe what happens as parents is we're awfulizing it. You know, we're turning it into this, they're this, this arch enemy where we, I don't know, we're, we're, we just don't want to like right. them. We don't want to like them. That's right, because we feel, in a sense, we feel like we're, not only do we feel reje- parents feel rejected, but they feel like they're bad parents if their kids aren't talking to them. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is this very, like, vicious cycle starts where, Kids aren't talking, so parents start asking more and more questions. Yeah. And that's the kiss of death. That's when kids start yeah. retreating more. That, yeah, because your intensity is going up. That's right. They don't like that. Uh, it is. It's, and it's more out of fear, isn't it? We're so afraid. Like, yeah. where were you? What, yeah, who were you it with? It comes from a place of anxiety, and kids sense that. And it's intense enough to be a teenager and, and combine that with parents' intensity, and it becomes overwhelming for them, for the teens. Yeah. How do we know then what to do? What are we supposed to do when, you know, they're acting completely opposite of these myths that you're blowing up? But, like, how, how do we know what to do as a parent? You know, it, it, it varies tremendously from situation to situation. But you have, first you have to keep in mind that they do need you, that they are probably ill-equipped to deal with every situation that comes their way. Yeah. You provide opportunities for them to talk to you and be around you. And if you provide enough opportunities, especially driving in the car, the car is a good one. It is. are a lot more likely to open up when they're not making eye contact. Yeah. Drive with them. Be with them. Ask them to come outside and look at something with you. Make it about you. But be present with them. And then things really will, they will fill and, th- and and they will start to talk. That's just one of the way to get to get them to 
start talking. And it can be anything. I just had a chance. My son needed new glasses, and because I have glasses, it's assumed that I would go. I'd be the glass guy. So we got it, but it's time. What it does is it gives you a lot of time together, and then you got to go back. I mean, it, it, just something as simple as just a dentist visit or a doctor's visit, it's time. And that's a really beautiful example because that's a neutral experience. Yeah. You're going to get eyeglasses, so you get him talking. And once he starts talking, he might start spilling about other things that are important in his life. Yeah. You're not sitting down to ask him questions. You have a joint mission. You're going to do something innocuous, like going to get glasses. So true. And, and that's when the conversation begins. Even as you walk into the the ophthalmologist's or optometrist's office together, talk, while people are walking, it's a good time to talk. And you see oh, so yeah. many people walking together in the morning, and they spill their secrets, and that's yeah. because they're not making eye contact. Yeah, so it seems like, especially with boys. I have five boys. I have one daughter, wow. five boys. And it seems like if I just put a ball in their hands and we start throwing a ball around, I can get them talking about anything. That's terrific. Because <laughs> they don't even know they're talking. They're just, right, they forget that they're talking after a while, and you don't want to remind them. Yeah. You just want to keep it going. See, that's one of the parent secrets that we never that's tell right. our kids. We're, that's we're, right. We're playing them. We distract them, <laughs> and then we, we get them talking. And, and another time is right before they're going to sleep and they're getting tired, they like to talk also because they forget that yes. they're doing it. Yeah, those barriers come down, huh? That's right, yeah. Maybe that's why they have the, the myths or these secrets is they're, they're trying to play independent yet they're highly dependent. That's right, and that's the conflict. And so that's, that, that's, that's what we're trying to get, is just get that they're playing strong and independent, but really they're still dependent. But let yeah. them have the facade and, and then let help them, them grow. Let them have the facade. Let them save face and think they're being a cool teenager and they're acting in the role of teen, but know that they really still need you very badly and just as much, if not more, than when they were younger. That's great. And it seems like you would, if you were just attuned, is a word we use on the show a lot, if you were just attuned to what they're feeling and saying, if they keep getting more and more angry, that's probably a sign you're not, and we'll get into talking, but that's probably a sign you're not talking on their time, their tone, their tempo. You're you're getting too close. You really understand adolescence, don't you? Yeah, that's I've yeah. Been a lot of them. yeah. Because it's all about attunement. It's all because what kids say to me the most is, "My parents just don't understand me." Yeah, and I think that's true. Not only everybody wants to feel that somebody is attuned to them, that they're understood. So what we really need to look at not only what our kids, our teens are saying, but their nonverbal language too. If you're talking to a teenager and their body, for example, is pointed toward toward the door, that means they really have had enough of this conversation. <laughs> Let me go to the door. To end it. Yeah, isn't that interesting? We're, we're gonna we're gonna get into that. We're talking with Dr. Barbara Greenberg. Go to her website, drdrdrbarbaragreenberg.com. She's got ebooks on all of this. Very, very affordable. Honestly, when you see somebody that's giving their content away this inexpensively, you can see they're very mission driven. They're trying to change lives. We're going to take a break, come back, and continue talking with Dr. Greenberg about how to get your teens talking. Now that we know some of their secrets, we're going to get them talking. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today, folks, we're talking about teens. And um, sometimes we feel like they're, they're just from another country, another world. Well, you know what? They're not. They're from you. <laughs> they're your fault. But we need to understand and we need to connect with them better. We are talking with Dr. Barbara Greenberg, who is a teen, adolescent, child, and family psychologist from Connecticut and New York. She's licensed there to practice. She has her own private practice there. She does consulting work, a lot of writing and media work. She's been on all of the national channels and stations. She's she's doing everything she can to get the message out there. She's also the co-author of Teenage as a Second Language, A Parent's Guide to Becoming Bilingual, and is also the co-author of several how-to e-books about raising teens. You can get all of those books at her website, drbarbaragreenberg.com. Uh, great place to to just get a bunch of information, as well as she teaches classes, workshops. So, Dr. Greenberg, welcome back to the show. Hi. Good to have you. You uh, wonderful to be speaking with you. Well, I appreciate that, and we we need the help with the, the teens because, again, I don't think we speak their language necessarily. So, talk to us about talking with teens. Um, you said earlier one of the secrets the the secrets basically are that they do want to talk. They really do care, and they really do want to be around you, but we've got to do it more on their terms instead of our terms. Yes. Because this is where the, 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 the actual ways of getting them to talk and to start talking and keeping them talking come in. Okay. Are, you, are you ready? Yes. Are people are ready to hear the ways to Let's, get them to talk? Because to me, again, it's if you want them to talk, you can try to do it your way. But if it hasn't worked for three years or whatever, then, you know, change, learn. Right. And if yeah. what you're doing works, then power to keep you doing keep it. doing it. That's right. Okay, good. What are your tips? So the first, I'll, I'll give you some of the tried and true that have, have worked. The first one is, for, and this is obvious, even for any age group, not to ask questions that lead to a yes-no answer. Sure. And I will tell you that teens tell me, that what, what they, they feel that parents ask them questions about school constantly, that 90% of questions are about school. How was school? Did you like school? How did that class go? And the kids are more than just about school. Mm-hmm. Isn't that That's true? That's number one. Yeah. Well, by the and, way, you, know, you don't have to ask about school, do you? I mean, you could ask, yeah. you could ask about you know, their day. You could ask about anything else that might get you more insight than school. And especially one that the girls love. So tell what? me about the drama. The girls love that. Oh, cool. and you know there's always going to be drama. But I have to tell you that you've, 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 when they get home from school that or get home from practice or whatever it is, that they need some decompression time first before you start talking to them. We all need a little bit of decompression time. Totally. But they're very quiet when they first enter your car and they fir- or they first enter the house. That's okay. Let them have a little bit of time to, to relax. Mm before you start kind of showering them with, or with yeah. questions yeah. It's sort of as an interrogation. Yeah, <laughs> and shine a light on them. Okay, yeah, here we exactly. go. And, and the, the second thing is you want to use with very subtle conversation openers, and you don't want to ask direct requests for information. You want to be indirect. The reason kids don't like questions like, 
how was your day? Tell me what happened. Is because it feels like a demand, and they want to have control over something. Mm -hmm. They feel very little control. Teenagehood just kind of snuck up on them, and they're trying to figure things out. And they want to at least have control over the amount of information that they divulge or, or what they talk about. So to get them talking, you, there, I have some conversation starters. Yes. So, for example, instead of saying something like, how was your day? You might want to say something as harmless as, hmm, did your soccer shoes work out? Were they the right size? Were they comfortable? And that will lead into a yeah. discussion of the soccer shoes and the soccer game and how they're liking soccer. Or, for example, I know, and this is one that I used to use, instead of asking my daughter, you know, how was that date? Was, it, was that boy driving drunk? Was he speeding? Yeah. I would say, he seemed really funny. Yeah. Is he funny? You know, so that's much more harmless and much more indirect. Yeah, that's good. It's it, a good one, right? Well, and it seems like it'll open it up because... Right or wrong, they're going to correct it. No, he was a bore, Mom. I've never met a more boring guy in my life. Then, <laughs> So you're going to get information. Or if he was funny, she's going to want to go there because it sounds like you picked out something good. Yeah. That's and powerful. Also, after, if they're spending time with, with a friend even or somebody of the opposite sex, and they went, let's say they went to see a movie, instead of saying, how did that go? Did that go okay? Yeah. I, you know, what's that friend like? I can't stand that friend. Tell me about that friend. If instead of that, you say something like, so would you recommend the movie? Interesting. Then something like that will get them to start talking. And then if you listen, and that's the other point, you have to listen. I always say, we have two ears and one mouth for a reason, yeah, especially exactly. when they're teenagers. That's right. You have to listen because kids say that parents interrupt a lot and make the and steal the conversation from them. I love it too because your ears weren't meant to close, that's and right. your mouth was. So right, shut that's it. Right. That's a good point. It's so true. But see what what I love about that too is um, th- this indirect. I've never really thought about that way. You're, I always call it sneaking in the back door or the side door. Yeah. You don't go right in the front door. Okay, so how was the guy? Did he kiss you? What are we doing? You right. you sneak in the side. Tell me about the movie, mm-hmm. and you just get him kind of in the realm. But it also shows that you're paying attention enough to know that they played soccer and the shoes may have been a problem, or that it, that the movie that they went to a movie. I mean, right. and, you, that you're, and, and that you're also asking their opinion. So would you recommend the movie because mm. they feel respected that you're yeah. asking their opinion? I love that. You're asking an opinion of a teenager, and in reality, you're just opening a door. That's right. So it's sneaky, isn't it? Yes, so you are the it's, devil. It's because you're, com- you're coming from a place of good intentions. Yeah. So it's all okay. I love it. No, I think that's great. Great tips. Give us some more. Okay. Now, yeah, okay, so, so a good mantra to walk around with is to keep things light, mm. not to make things heavy and intense. Just keep things calm and light. And here's one I love and one that most parents, including me when I was raising teenagers, had a, a tough time with, but you have to kind of, you must do this, is keep your emotional level down. Once you start, start getting agitated and upset, about something your child is telling you, nothing good will happen. All that will happen is that the conversation will end. Your kid will likely run to his or her room, slam the door. You may go chase your child. There may be a screaming fight, so you must 
keep the emotional level down. You see, your goal is to get the information, to find out what's happening in your child's life. If you want to have an intensely emotional reaction, you can, mm. but don't do it with your child. Yeah, oh, that's Nothing right. Nothing good ever comes of that. Well, they already kind of associate us with drama anyway. They do. So they the really minute you do. bring emotion. They don't like drama. No. Drama is what's characterizing their teen years. They have so much of it with their peers. Yeah. Home, should be, home should be sort of a drama-free zone. Oh, I mean, honestly. And the, but so it's if you think about it, it's like you wouldn't I don't know. It's almost like you're describing talking to a horse. Mm-hmm. Because you don't you again, you're not you're not going to get way emotional with an animal. If you do, you're going to set it off. You and it's like it's like be careful. Just Respect them enough to know that they're 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 going to do it their way. Right. It's such a good analogy because with horses, you don't want to sort of spook them. You no. don't want to sneak up on them. Yeah. What the? Them. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we're so amazed that we sneak in. You know, we've read their diary. We've done all these things, and then yeah. all of a sudden, they don't talk. Right. And then we demand talk. Right. And we get mad. And and, and the truth is, it's very very tricky when you do something like read their diary or find out information that you're not supposed to have yeah because then you don't know what you want to bring it up but you can't mm-hmm. found it out secretly don't you see that as a therapist i see it a lot with my clients where you a lot of times end up knowing more than you should know absolutely but and you don't so just you let them know you know you just kind of hold it on and let it out let them find a way to get it out that's right. Or if, if you're going to do something like monitor what they're doing on, on their text or social media, let them know that you're doing that so at least you can talk about it. Yeah. Oh, I think that's great. There's nothing good that comes of, of, of being sneaky and having information that you can't talk about because eventually they're going to figure out that something is amiss. They're going to, they're going to sense that. Yeah. I mean, again, I think we underestimate how, uh, how attuned they are. They are attuned. They They're get. They so get attuned. it. Yeah. And can I tell you something else about attunement? Since yeah. we both really love that 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 concept. Yeah. Teens, in terms in terms of attunement, teens are acutely sensitive. In fact, with their parents, not necessarily with their peers, but with their parents, they see anger where it doesn't necessarily exist. Huh. So they're very sensitive to our emotional reactions, which is why it's even more important to keep the emotional level down. Interesting. Yeah, they might magnify it, huh? That's right. They do. And in fact, they do. Isn't that so interesting? Their attunement, their attunement level is a little bit off. And, they're and, a little rejection sensitive. Uh-huh. Yeah, they are rejection sensitive. That's a great way to put it. They're also, um, the reject, and, and they... Um, and they personalize it. So so the rejection right. is them, even if you were angry at the traffic. Right, because they're still so egocentric, because they're so self-conscious yeah. at this age. They remember the teen years, we were all so self-conscious, oh. like thinking, where is this body, with body <laughs> coming from? <laughs> Who am I? Yeah. What's this facial hair for guys about? That's so fascinating. It, it's, but again, um, I guess, so give us, we have about a minute what would you say is the, uh, what's the one thing? We call it the one thing that might be the biggest thing. The most important thing is, is to be a good role model for your kids because they, if they see that you can talk about sensitive topics uh, well without getting upset and you can talk about topics in a non-judgmental way, they will follow suit. Parents are more important role models to kids than peers and siblings 
and then and, and celebrities. Yeah. Parents don't know how important they are in their kids' lives, and they have to know that. That's so true. And, you know, be the role model and let them know you're there. Just be right. there. Be there and be respectful and yeah. when praise them when it's possible. That's so great. And model forgiveness. And oh. don't underreact or overreact. Yeah. And a final thing is be very careful when talking about their friends, because when you talk about their friends, the way they hear it is that you're talking about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You reject my friends, then you're rejecting me. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's why even deal. if they don't, if they're thinking that they're not that crazy about that friend either, they will still defend that friend because they feel like you're talking about them. That's right. That's so true. Oh, man. Again, uh, Dr. Barbara Greenberg is her name. Go to her website, drbarbaragreenberg.com. Tons of ebook or information and some ebooks there that'll help you walk through these steps that she's taught us uh, if you didn't have a chance to write them all down. Barbara, thank you so much. Pleasure. And I also want to say my Twitter handle yeah. is parent, parent, teen doctor with two T's in it. That's great. Parents teen doctor with two t's and people can follow me because i'm always i write articles almost every day for different oh, that's uh, great. journals and magazines about teens wonderful keep up the great work barbara thank and uh, we'll have you on again super thank you for thank having you me. you bet okay. good stuff my friends Woo! see teens they're not as messed up really honestly when she's talking about that the whole time i'm like yeah that was me that was me that was me I think my mom handled me like a master. I never knew she was even working with me. We're taking a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show, enlightening you on the teen years and your wonderful teens. When we come back, we're going to wrap up the show. Sean's going to take us on a journey teens now versus then. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Okay, there's the Pokemon uh, music, which means half of the studio is rocking. <laughs> the geeky half. I don't want to put down Pokemon, but I'm going to put down Pokemon. Okay. But every time we play it, you two light up like as if you know, as if it's a prom date. It's good memories, man. Is it nostalgic? Yeah. Pokemon. <sighs> Do you feel it, Matt? I felt something. <laughs> I don't know what it was. But it's still burning in my heart. Uh, I think that was lunch. That was lunch. Oh, that's true. A little gas and No, lunch. that was passion. Passion. Pokey posse. Pokey passion. <laughs> I passion for pokey. Anywho, as uh, we wrap up the show, that is what the teens used to like, I don't know, in the early 90s, mid-90s. Yeah, all of the 90s. 
No, you weren't teenagers all of the 90s. No, but the teenagers still loved it. I think no. I think you're delusional. No. <laughs> that was like late 90s. Oh, yeah, that was later 99. 99. Yep. Bam. Sean, have the teens changed from then? And oh, they're geeking? I mean, again, well, well. I, mine was Gilligan's Island, Chips. Oh, you're such a geek. <clears throat> oh, John and Punch. But see, I can respect that, too. I know John the Gilligan's Island theme song. So, like, hey, Pokemon, Gilligan's Island. Just Let's make a remix. Right back in yeah, here it was a tale. tale of a faithful geek. Trip. Like that. Trip. Trip. Yeah, see, but th- that's not geeky. Why? Because that <laughs> was Gilligan social was interaction. These were people that were trapped on an island. Here's a story. There's the of a lovely bunch. lady. Yeah. Uh, this is how I grew up. Alice and Sam the Butcher. Sam the Butcher, yes. I was always wondering, like, when are they going to get married? Are they going to get married or not? How long does it take to date? It was a soap opera. Yeah. They yeah. dated for years. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's hard. He probably worked long butcher hours. Let me tell you a little story about a man named Jed. Oh, there you go. A poor mountaineer. Barely kept, kept his, his family, family fed. fed. <laughs> and then one day. He was shooting at some food. And up from the ground came a bubbling crude crude oil. That is See, now black, I feel black gold, here. Texas tea, <laughs> <laughs> and the cement pond. Yes. <laughs> See, thank you, now, Jethro. Again, once again, that is a story about human beings. <laughs> sure, they were a little backwards, <laughs> a little backwoodsish, but Pokemon is a ball. It's a it's an orb of energy used to fight. Other weird animals from apparently Japan. But do you see the change that has occurred? Yeah. They're not dealing with real people. Right. Like we were. Mm hmm. Real people, yes. Just, our, if those hillbillies that lived in people. Yeah. Ours was better. This weekend, I watched a, a version of Emergency. What was the name? Of, it was the Emergency Show. Emergency. Emergency 911. It was, uh, not 911. The oh. Emergency Show from the 70s where they had Mash. The, the paramedics. Yeah, it's called Emergency. Yeah. I, the, you know what? Mm-hmm. Have you watched it recently? No. Go watch it. Okay. You will see. Man, have we evolved. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because, like Adam 12? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Like Adam 12. I loved Adam. Yes. Is that, by the way, is that the name of that one? Adam 12? Adam 12 was the cops. Yeah. One Adam 12. One Adam 12. Exactly. Yeah. Um, here's the deal why that. Go they always watch went to that. Rampart Hospital. That's right. Yeah. And the doctor would look at the nurse like, okay, I'm about to do something your <laughs> brain got, cannot conceive. This is funny. Oh, the nostalgia. Okay. <laughs> you want to look, look at the difference between teens and then and teens now? I know. These two guys are just rolling their eyes every time we bring up another TV but again, show. But again, we had people. They, they, they're they right. like, do you remember when your Actual Sido blaster characters. blew up your stigmogodongers? <laughs> I don't know what a stigmogodongers is, but <laughs> I don't either. I, think, I don't know. And I'm trying not to know. So what's the difference between then and now? Well, I mean, ours was better. Imagination. Okay. Let me put, let me, let me, let me ask James Quality. a question <laughs> yeah. and you a and question. Quality. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. When you had to make, when you were a teenager and you had to make a phone call home, how did you do it? Me? You. I'd have to go into a building or a mm-hmm. facility where a phone would be there on a wall with a cord, and then I would have to dial. Yes. That's how I you hated it. the zeros. It was exhausting. James? Well, I think our, inter- our generation is a little interesting because we're kind of like the transition between the old and the new. So like later on in my uh, teenage years, it was like find a friend that had a cell phone. Or cell phone. Yep. Cell phone. Or before then, I mean, I still had to go to the office or something, <laughs> pay phone. Didn't you ever carry change around in your pocket? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You had change. You had to have change. I remember when calls went from 10 cents to 25 cents. And I remember, like, everyone's like, what? I got to carry a quarter now? Yeah. But do you remember when the first cell phone came out 
and then you had to have a dolly to put it on mm-hmm. to push it around because it was so big. When you wanted to go do something with your friends, how did you contact them? Me? Yeah. Smoke signals. There you go. <laughs> I would I would call them. Or I'd get on my bike, on your and bike. I'd ride over exactly. to their house. Exactly. You'd have to ride over there. James? Well, not much changed because I called. I, I have my phone, my friend's phone numbers memorized to this day. But actually, back then, I really wouldn't call my friend. I would no. get on my bike, and you'd go over, and you'd knock on their door. Hey, can exactly. you yeah, no, Dave's at Tom's. Okay, okay. I'll get the the home phone and call over to the friend's house. Now, yeah. the second thing: How often would you go on a bike ride with your friends and be gone for two hours every day? Mm, um, every day of my life. Nope. I'd Once be gone all day. Yeah, that is a huge change. Yeah. I think there's yeah. just so many more distractions now. Yeah, I'd, I'm not sure if it's distractions or sometimes You're parental. Lazy. Par, no parental fear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My my wife won't let my kids walk home mm-hmm. at nine o'clock, yes. a block away, right. two blocks away. I'm like, are you kidding? I I was knifed. <laughs> I was shanked. <laughs> okay. One more. Yeah. How did you share music with your friends as a teenager? You get your vinyls, and you'd go play them. You'd put up. You can carry them over, and you would just play them for them at their house mm-hmm. on their record player. And James, burn a CD, Napster. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that funny? Times have changed. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. where did you, what? How did you go play video? How did you play video games at the video game? What they call arcade? Them? Arcade at home on my own TV. There you go. I had. I did finally get an Intellivision, which was the upscale, right? better than Atari. But then everyone. My friends Atari. had Atari. Yeah, I, yeah. I eventually got that. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I, I never had anyone to play with, so I play with my feet and against. I play against my foot. <laughs> okay, as a teenager, oh. would you would you watch the news and gather information at all? Uh, yeah, I would watch the news. Okay, yeah. So you watched it on TV? Uh huh. On TV at James? six o'clock every day. Yeah, I would just get it on the internet, just like Yahoo homepage. There you go. Yahoo. My work is done. <laughs> so let's just agree. Our generation's more advanced. Yeah, yeah. That's your your generation. I, that I don't know about. More, we agree. Well, they're we more agree advanced, and they know <laughs> half as much. I don't want to be rude, but let's just be rude. Hey, we didn't sing about hillbillies. Yeah, but that means you don't know the depth of granny. Then you didn't have entertainment around your campfire either. That's Mm, so true. true. I played my Game Boy around the campfire. Is that okay? Oh, jeez. That's entertainment. (laughs) Hey, folks, uh, we're going to wrap this up. Thanks for joining us. Again, remember the purpose of the show is to find the good in the world. There is so much good out there. And some of it will begin in your own family with your teens. They're not all that bad. They're actually quite fantastic. If we can hang out with uh, James and Aaron, you can hang out with your children. (laughs) They're not all that bad. Thanks for joining us again. We'll be back tomorrow for a kind of a wrap-up show of the week. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Back every uh, day, 3 o'clock Mountain Time, 5 o'clock Eastern, here to give you a leg up in this crazy thing we call life. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to BYU Radio.